Podcast. Nick Harold is a rescue partner, and Joshua Johnson. I'm here to make you laugh, challenge your mind, and help you build a foundation. This is the Dynasty Book, presented by the Dynasty Football Wheel. Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Johnson. With me, as always, is Nick Hale, the Redskins Lighter. Nick, what's up, buddy? Oh, not much. It's been kind of rough this week. been working so much, Josh, that I wasn't able to do any of the prep work for the podcast from the beach this week. So, you know, I don't know if you have some sad violin oh. music you can play for me. How's <laughs> the great Midwest treating you? Oh, well, it was 60 degrees here on Saturday. Um, and then Monday, we got four inches of snow. So that's that's how that's how we roll here in South Dakota. That is how we roll indeed. Uh, but, uh, yeah, going pretty good. Um, it's, it's melting. It's slowly melting. We're at a balmy 38 today, so we're getting there. Uh, i got a great show for you today as we look at the AFC North. I think for some reason in my notes I wrote down AFC Central right away. I don't know where that came from. Uh, but AFC North, of course, the Bengals, Browns, Ravens, and Steelers. News out of the division today is that the Ravens have restructured uh, – Joe Flacco's deal. I'm not sure what what the money is involved and how much was taken off or whatever his mega deal after the Super Bowl. But uh, sounds like a good move for Baltimore. There, don't you think? Maybe they can maybe sign a free agent or two. Uh, yeah, I believe he got, got a forty million dollars signing bonus in that deal um, for a three year extension. But I mean, we see the price of quarterbacks being pretty inflated. Sam Bradford getting eighteen million dollars a year. Uh, Kirk Cousins turning down sixteen million a year, getting franchise tagged for nearly twenty million for the one year. So I mean, the value of quarterbacks has never been higher. So I guess Flacco's worth it. Uh, yeah, and he does have a Super Bowl ring. I mean, maybe. Maybe he shouldn't get paid for that, but that's how it works now. If they get paid for what you did, not what you're going to do. So uh, I, guess, I guess that's where we're at. Uh, Mike Kraft is going to be joining us um, probably about an hour or so into the show to talk about his Steelers. Mike, of course, is one of the writers here on staff. does great work for us. So excited to talk about his black and yellow Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, but uh, first, let's get to some plant your flag or wash your hands, uh, Mr. Darren Waller lost most of his rookie season due to injury, but what do you think? Big tip. Yeah, I, I'm going to wash my hands. You know, they only spent a six-round pick on him, so they're not really invested in him. He only had the two catches for 18 yards last year on six targets. You know, at six foot seven, you know, it's for a team desperate for production at wide receiver. You would hope he would have at least had some red red zone work. I know, like you said, he missed a lot of the season due to injury, but still, I, I'm going to wash my. Uh, I forgot I got a little intense with the graphics last year and made some of those. Made some of those. That was I think they were saying wash your hands in that one, um, but uh, we we won't play that. Um, you know it's just so hard because you don't know how this offense is going to shake out. Obviously Steve Smith coming back for the one more year. Kamar Aiken looked really good in spots. Same with Crockett Gilmore, the tight end there. 
Um, and they also have Brashard Perryman. Well, we just don't know how he is going to fit in that offense. Everybody's expecting good things from him. So it doesn't seem like there's a lot of snaps left uh, for Waller, but what happens when Steve Smith leaves? That's, that's my question. Um, you know, if he can hang around this team and prove himself, I mean, and obviously you can't taxi taxi squad him, but uh, if you if you have room, you know, I, I wouldn't mind holding on to him, especially, you know, Injury prone wide receivers in this in this team. I mean, obviously, if they sign another receiver, that will tell us how they really feel, or draft another one early about Waller. But uh, I, I'm, I'm temporarily planting my flag and putting my straw in the sand. We'll say, um, Sammy Coates. What do we think about this? Maybe we'll have to ask Mike about this guy too, Nick. But what do we think about Sammy Coates? Of course, the wide receiver there in Pittsburgh. Well, he only had one catch in the regular season out of the third-round picks last year. But remember, if Martavis Bryant tests positive again, I think he's out for a year. And uh, Coates did catch two of three targets for 61 yards in the playoffs. I think he's definitely worth a stash. Plus, you know, uh, Darius Hayward Bay is a free agent, so you got to figure Coates will likely, uh, at the very least, slip into his shoes. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, Coates is uh, is trending upward right now. I would I would plant my flag. I just I've heard so much about his bad his bad hands and I just I you wonder with the lack of you know if you said one catch the lack of actual reps during the regular season why 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 that was yet think you know with the them using their second and third string quarterbacks last year that you know maybe Coates would have got a few more looks because those guys were comfortable with them but that just didn't just didn't seem to happen it, it's really hard to make a call on on a guy that you know, just has one year of experience. You don't want to make the wrong call and, and set him free, and then he, and then he he goes off. But I, I just don't know how much potentially he has, especially behind Bryant. You do bring up a good point with the uh, the suspension there. Uh, but uh, yeah, I guess I would say wash my hands. I don't feel great about it, but uh, I'll say wash my hands, and just because I feel weird about it. Let's play that clip too, just once. Oh, wait, that's the wrong clip. <laughs> uh, too much graphics. Um, another wide receiver, a little wide receiver heavy in the plant your flag or wash your hands this week. What do we think about Mr. Taylor Gabriel? Now, this guy had a pretty decent rookie season, and I uh, I expected a little bit more out of him last year, of course, than Travis Benjamin came out of nowhere and erupted. But uh, well, what, do we, what do you think there about Mr. Taylor Gabriel, Nick? Well, like you said, he had a good rookie season, 36 catches for over 600 yards and the touchdown, but he regressed big time in year two, only 28 catches, 241 yards, and zero scores in 13 games. Uh, he's only five foot eight, 167 pounds, so I, I do think he'll bounce back a little bit, maybe around 500 yards, so this one all depends on how deep you are at the position, but I think he's likely expendable. Yeah, I, I would say wash your hands, too, it just... You know, we don't know what we're going to get out of Josh Gordon. We'll talk a little bit about him later, but he he, he looks. You know, when, when we've seen him play, obviously he's been a very a very huge asset to that offense. And this is another case too, where I think Cleveland will probably take a wide receiver in this draft at some point, and that might that might not be good news for Taylor Gabriel. So it's uh, time to wash your hands. Um, Lorenzo Taliaferro, Nick, what do you think? Obviously, Buck Allen. Uh, people love Justin Forsett that's going after Buck Allen and some uh, 
some dynasty mocks that I've seen so far. Every one of them I've seen that happen. Um, but just is there any snaps or carries left for Taylor Farrow on this offense? No, I don't think so. I'm going to wash my hands. And plus they uh, went out and signed Trent Richardson. I think that signals a big lack of confidence in their running back number three there. Uh, I think you could see the team use another mid to late round pick on a running back. So it wouldn't even surprise me if Talia Farrow didn't make the final roster. Only 81 carries in his two seasons and only 13 carries last year. Uh, yeah, I'm going to wash my hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, like, Bring up a good point there. I mean, I think he's certainly somebody that you could carry until those final roster cuts and see see what they do with him. Um, you know, Forsett had the huge injury last year. We're not sure how he's going to bounce back. I would I would plant my flag until August, and then he, and then then we'll maybe talk about him again there. But uh, maybe just because I own him in a couple weeks, I'm hope, I'm holding out some some hope for him, but uh, geez, I think I own all those reasons running back. I don't own Trent Richardson, and I don't want to either, but uh, uh, I know for a fact that a lot of the Ravens brass really like this guy. I don't know how much that trickles down within the coaching staff, but uh, I know Harbaugh likes him a lot. It wants to use him, too, and um, we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. I mean, we could see... I think case where four sets may be out the door too. He signed, I know he signed a deal, but it was a pretty team friendly deal and pretty, pretty average running back money after his monster season. So we'll we'll see how that shakes out there. Uh, Mr. Vincent Ray, Cincinnati line linebacker, Cincinnati Bengals linebacker. Excuse me. Uh, this guy lit it up with when Burfecht was out of the lineup. Obviously, Burfecht suspended again. Can we count on another Burfecht suspension until we until we wash our hands of this guy? What do you think, there, Nick? Well, he's 29 this season. He's got over 60 solo tackles each of the last two years. And like you said, Vontaze Burfecht is out to start the season. So I think Bray could be a really nice play in September at the very least. And if he were to play really well, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he ended up winning the starting job away from Burfecht just because the Bengals don't want to risk another outburst like we saw in their last game. So I, I would tentatively plant my flag, at least for the first month of the season. Yeah, he's got that, that wily veteran thing going on. And yeah, maybe this is just the first first month of the season, and they'd like to move him to the strong side and inside as well. So that's certainly going to help his his tackle volume. Not a big sack guy, but certainly can help his tackle volume. So um, this team, it's weird. Cincinnati with uh, uh, these teams. Segue a little bit. I I dropped my seven round mock this morning on a DFW. No uh, no words, just picks. Uh, it was a whole lot of fun. So if you if you want to get get mad about who your team drafted, certainly go look at that. I, I'll I'll hear all about it. I have no problem listening to you. But um, it's weird with teams like this. It seems to seem to be pretty solid up and down. Obviously, wide receivers and free agency, and we'll talk about that here later on. But where where do you think they have to have needs, and you, and you really have to look at the the value of players and what they're producing. You know. I think I went defensive end in the first round for this for that Bengals team, and I and I went linebacker too, just because some of these guys later on, because some of these guys are getting a little bit older, older there. But it's you want to see something out of maybe like the Paul Dawson, or I think he's actually officially changed his name to PJ Dawson uh, that they drafted last year. We didn't see him at at all, and um, but uh, Vinny Vinny Ray, that's what we're talking about. He's uh, certainly has. Has an opportunity with Burfick out, but it just seems like to me, Nick, when Burfick came back, Ray just 
disappeared. As an owner of Ray last year, that was certainly the case there, and it was not not fun to see that happen. So I I, I caution people, you know, maybe maybe trade high on Ray if he has a huge game right away. Uh, what do we think about Jarvis Jones? Pittsburgh invested a geez, I think he was a first round pick two years, two maybe three years ago, Nick, but he just really hasn't seemed to pan out. Maybe maybe opportunity is there for him to get a full uh, a, a bigger snap count this year. What do you think? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, after eight starts in his first two years combined, Jones got 15 starts in year three last year, and he rewarded his patient owners with two sacks and less than 30 tackles. I definitely am washing my hands of him. Yeah, kind of a kind of a bust, and I think obviously with those rookie contracts, this is kind of a make or break year for him, which maybe should intrigue some people a little bit, but uh, maybe. Wait for him to have a little bit of production first. Um, maybe a bit of an up-and-comer here. A guy that recorded a whole lot of sacks in college there out of the University of Utah. What do we think about Nate Orchard, uh, line, outside linebacker, Cleveland Browns? Well, the second-round pick last year, 6'3", 252, started 11 games as a rookie and had three sacks, 36 tackles, and one interception. You know, I think his numbers should only go up. I mean, how many times have we said pass rushers usually take a couple of years to develop? So three sacks as a rookie isn't terrible. Um, you know, I'm not going to break the bank for him, but I would definitely plant my flag if I can get him at a decent price. What do we think about uh... – new coaching staff with a guy like this. I mean, obviously the old regime was only there for a couple of years. That's just kind of how it goes in Cleveland. But, um, I mean, and, and they got some, they got, they're losing some guys too, and there's some older guys. So you, you wonder how much that, that regime is either going to play to the strengths of their young players, or they're going to try to, you know, save face and, and win now with some of the, some of the older players. But Orchard, Orchard certainly has, some dynamic moves, and I, I like him. I, I was I thought Cleveland was a great landing spot for him, but the old regime did use a lot of defensive rotation. So, you know, maybe if he settles into a starting role, we could we could see something out of him there. So, we'll uh, we'll see how that uh, how that shakes out here in uh, Cleveland. Um, and and moving forward, but. Uh, Let's talk about the Baltimore Ravens, Nick. I already talked about the Flacco deal. What do we think about uh, um, sorry, E.R. Rappaport's reporting that James Laranitis is currently biding his time with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, maybe he might take some more visits, but that would be an interesting landing spot. Him and the him and I think they used the three four there. So yeah, they used the three four. So that'd be good for him and Anthony up the middle. That'd be a fun little trio there as they look to add a pass rusher in. The draft. Um, what do we think about Mr. Crockett Gilmore, Nick? Should Crockett Gilmore owners be worried about Max Williams yet? Uh, yes, I think so. I think Max Williams is going to be the tight end one on the team. Uh, his last three games, he saw six, five, and ten targets against uh, the Chiefs, the, the Patriots, and, or the Chiefs, the Steelers, and the Bengals. And those are three pretty good defenses. And two of those games were decided by one score. So there's not a lot of garbage time production. Um, he only had more than four targets in a game once before that. So that was a big in- increase at the end of the year uh, for last year's second-round pick. And, you know, yes, that run came after Gilmore was injured, but Gilmore never topped eight targets in a game. So to see Max Williams get ten targets, uh, I think that uh, that's a sign that Max Williams will probably be the leading tight end moving forward. 
Yeah, and I'm not sure how much these guys use like a two tight end set, but uh, you know, Gilmore is certainly more of a dependable blocker, and Williams is kind of kind of the dynamic option. But I I, I think maybe this year you could you could trust Crockett Gilmore. Uh, next year probably is the time to cut a moose or trade maybe trade high this year. If that is at all a possibility, we'll see how how Williams develops. I think some people were expecting a little bit much out of him. Um, earlier on in his rookie season. We we just know that's not the case with a lot of tight ends. So we'll see how how it shakes out there. But that's certainly a situation to monitor if you if you need a tight end there. Um if you can maybe get get Williams lower than 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 uh, uh advertised initially because Gilmore's having a good season that might be something to look at there too. Um Buck Allen flashed a lot last season, Nick will it be enough will that be enough to make him PPR relevant, what do you think? Well, personally, uh, Buck Allen's a guy I like better for 2017 than for 2016. Uh, last year, Justin Forsett averaged nearly a half yard per carry more than did Allen, and Buck didn't really start catching a lot of passes until Forsett got hurt. He only had one game with multiple receptions while Forsett was still in the lineup. And even with Justin Forsett missing six weeks, uh, Buck Allen never had an 80 yard rushing game, and his 12 catches for 107 yards uh, get against Miami was the only game where he topped 50 receiving yards. So I'm not really as high on Buck Allen as a lot of the fantasy community. Yeah, you know, I think the love there is because he's, because he's got the taste and, uh, you know, enough experiences, as I like to say, enough experience to make him dangerous. But we'll see. We'll see how that pans out. I, I think he he could be PPR relevant because you look at that, that offense and that scheme there with Tressman. Um, but it, it'll really depend on where uh, where Forsett is at, um, and we'll see how the rest of this team shakes out via via free agency. But I I think the Ravens have weapons in place to bounce right back and be a playoff team after their off season last year, uh, especially getting you know two picks in the top you know what forty or whatever it is. So that that's something that can certainly ignite them very well. They need some secondary help, but uh, that'll that'd be good. What is there an IDP or on the rise for the Ravens, Nick? What do you think? Well, Josh, I might be stealing your thunder a little bit on this one, but uh, they're 2014 second-rounder from Florida State. Uh, in defensive tackle required leagues, anyway, Timmy Jernigan is the guy to look at. You know, on the surface, there wasn't a whole big jump from year one to year two. He had four sacks each season, 25 tackles as a rookie, 37 last year. But he finished really strong. In the last four games of last year, he had four tackles, six tackles, a sack and a tackle, and six tackles. If he can be that consistent over 16 games in 2016, he could be a really nice IDP find. Yeah, and this is a, I he did kind of steal my thunder a little, but that's okay. I'm pretty sure. Um, he I love Timmy Jernigan. He has so much energy on the along that line, and with the with their three four scheme, he's a guy I think they can afford to move around the line as well. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think he could be some do some really good things in that 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 for that defense. Um, you know, I don't know if he's going to be a, a double-digit sack guy, but if he get if he gets eight, and he can, you know, he's certainly a guy that has the, the the speed and lateral agility to help against the run as well. So that that's that's good news for him in their development. But I, I also like Brandon Williams that plays in the middle, plays the nose for these guys. He's 27 years old. Um, 
came came on and recorded 53 tackles last year after recording 46 the year before. Uh, that's a lot of tackles from the middle from from a guy in the middle like that. He only has three and a half career sacks, so he's he's not a he's not a huge penetrator, but he's a he's a guy like in, like Nick said with Jernigan, if if he's got that he's got the defensive tackle designation, he's certainly a guy that you can you can depend on and not have to worry about having down weeks, I don't think, because he's certainly uh, a guy that gets tackles. He's not I mean, Obviously, you're not going to get huge gaudy stats out of these defensive tackles, but he's certainly a, certainly a guy that you can, I think, depend on. He's, he could, I think he's got maybe one or two really good years in, left in him. And, uh, you know, I think it said a lot that Baltimore was able to to cut ties with Haloti Nadi because they believed in Brandon Williams, and I think he certainly proved last year that that was a, that was a smart move for them financially. Uh, Joe Flacco is down. Where, 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 so where do you honestly see him finishing, Nick, as as quarterback number what this year? Well, he did have an average 279 yards per game last year, and that ranked in the top 10 in the NFL. Uh, of course, he only played 10 games, but that's the only time he's missed games in his entire career. So he's not an injury-prone guy. Uh, to me, Flacco's a pretty good quarterback, but with no real weapons around him. Uh, you know, personally, I, I'm, I've always been a little lower on Flacco than most, so I would probably rank him around quarterback 20. You know, definitely should be quarterback two in 12-team leagues. But, uh, you know, based on the fact that he's going to play all 16 games likely, and, you know, especially with the new contract, there's no way he's going to lose his job. So I, I think he'll probably be ranked. He'll probably end up right around quarterback 15, don't you think? She really don't like Joe Flacco. Uh, uh, I... I I like him. I, I I do. I just like, and I think he always presents a really good value. I understand your concern about the weapons, and the, and I really think they tried to address that last year. Drafted as many pass catchers as they did, and I think this, like I said, I think this team's going to bounce back and be a very good team this year. So I I think we'll see some growth out of those weapons. So I want to say like QB ten. I think he's going to be potentially startable every week in uh in ten team leagues. And I know there's I know quarterback's getting a little top heavy now, but I Flacco, you know, he's not a, a huge flash guy. He's not gonna throw for four hundred and fifty yards and four touchdowns. Um but uh he's got he's got he's got weapons on the rise and Steve Smith will be ready to, to prove himself I think in this final final NFL season too. So I'm a little higher higher on Flacco. So I guess we We'll settle in the middle, twelve point five. Um, biggest draft needs, Nick. Uh, what do you think? They, they got. They certainly have some holes. I think probably more so on the defensive side of the ball. They do. Uh, they don't have a lot of free agent starters. Uh, their left guard Osamele and the uh, linebacker Courtney Upshaw, I believe, are their only two uh, upcoming free agents. Uh, I think they pick at number six. That's probably too high for a receiver. You know, even with Bashard Perryman coming back this year, I would probably try to upgrade there, but. They would have to trade back to do that. Of course, Ozzie Newsom, the GM, loves to trade in the draft, so that is always a possibility. But if not, I think they go best player available, especially if there's a good pass rusher that they really like on the board. You know, that defense just isn't the same when Terrell Suggs is in the lineup. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I agree with you there with that. I mean, they they, they certainly lost a lot with when Suggs went down last year. Um, I... Right now, I had Miles Jack going to them at, with the sixth overall pick. He's an he's an interesting player because you know they, people want to say he's an up, he's a sub package guy. He's kind of that that tweener 
between the safety, maybe, uh, you know, linebacker combo like the Dayon Buchanan or the Mark Barron type of player. I think with his athleticism, I think he's a guy that can do just about anything. To have a weapon like that in your defense, I, I think it's well worth taking him at uh, pick six. I mean, you're talking about a guy that can not only cover slot receivers. We saw that in college. He covered Nelson Aguilar, you know, like a blanket in college. But he's a guy that can step up and cover a tight end. He's going to out, maybe out finesse a tight end. Um, and But he also has that athleticism, like kind of in that same Anthony Barr mold, you know, these, these – con- these converted running backs from UCLA that they make linebackers. I mean, look at the athleticism that Barr's shown, and, and you can see you can see filled with Jack as a running back and a, as and the linebacker spot. He's a guy that can play inside and outside. I mean, you know, why not? Daryl Smith's really old. Why not have an Why not have an athletic guy to go right next to Mosley in this three four that can. Run, you know, that can run around and cover cover any any running back or tight end you ask him to, you know, can shut down a small a small slot guy as well. I mean, what what a what a weapon to have! I think he's just such a a valuable piece, and I I guess I might even be surprised if he lasts till that till that pick. But uh, everybody needs offensive linemen as well. They they also need secondary help, um, and and they need you know they need to find somebody that can be that outside cornerback. I think that's and safeties as well. They did okay last year, but they have, uh, you know, they have some high draft picks just kind of floundering right now in that secondary, and they need to, in a in a draft that's really DB heavy, I think they need to uh, need to address that in the middle rounds, especially. Um, it is time for our first dynasty dilemma. Speaking of defense, um, Ryan Shazier versus C.J. Mosley. I had the chance to go first, so I will. Uh, play the music and uh go first um interestingly enough nick do you remember ryan shazier was actually part of the topic of our very first dynasty dilemma did you remember that uh i do and who did we who did we debate about i don't remember that the the now retired chris borland (laughs) oh Uh, wow (laughs) yeah it was an awesome topic uh and then Chris Borland made us look really bad by retiring top, you know, within weeks later, days later, I want to say. And speaking of speaking of days later, you know what? When I was writing that seven-round mock, it was obviously a huge process. I started right after I finished my four-round mock in mid-January. But uh, everything happened so, I mean, by the minute. And I, and I thought, oh, finally, I have a slow day. And I actually, for some reason... In, in my head yesterday, I decided to move Christian Hackenberg down to, to Philadelphia in round three, and then and I think that's a perfect perfect development scenario there for Philly as they signed Sam Bradford yesterday. And then, of course, you know, I have Green Bay taking a kicker in the fifth or sixth round, a kicker out of Florida State, and then, of course, they signed Mason Crosby today. So, sorry, just something that makes me mad, but it's, that's, that's how this business is in the offseason. Things happen all the time. Uh, Dynasty going on. Nothing else but confrontation. 
Man, who says Public Enemy can only play with Aerosmith and Anthrax? That was oh, I love Public Enemy mixed with Slayer. That's that's they're missing out, missing the boat. They should have done something together. But anyway, why do I always get the injury-prone player in these dilemmas? I, it's just what I do to myself, I guess. Here's we pit Ryan Shazier versus C.J. Mosley. Um, oh well, here we go. Um, Shazier is one of the quickest, most versatile linebackers in football. Uh, I believe his emergence, the emergence, excuse me, of defensive end Stephen Tuitt alongside a very good defensive end Cameron Hayward works as a will work as a funnel that's going to pour uh, ball carries right into Shazier's arms. Uh, Bud Dupree also emerging as a pass rusher is. Uh, but he'll never be a tackle volume guy. And that's where Shazier becomes like that soccer sweeper. I don't know if you're familiar with soccer at all, Nick. I played a little soccer in high school myself. Um, but uh, sweeper is the guy that goes in front of the goaltender and just kind of cleans up uh, cleans up things. And that's what, I think that's what Shazier is going to really uh, do as his, thing, as his career progresses. Obviously, he's been hurt. Um, and, but when he plays, you just see this guy is always around the ball. Um, yeah, I loved watching college filming him coming out of Ohio State. He was just so fast. I can't. I don't. It was going to write down his forty time. I forgot. But he is so fast. And he was more of an outside linebacker in college. They moved him inside, and I think that was a good move. Obviously, there's been a little bit of durability issue, but I think uh, he's going to kind of live and learn here on the, on the fly with you know with young players in the secondary probably through the draft here Nick and some guys that drafted last year as well as some young DTs I think Shazier's responsibility is going to be gr- one of growing importance uh interestingly enough both him and Mosley are 6'1 6'2 235 pounds they're both mid first round picks both 23 years old uh yet Mosley has started 32 games compared to Shazier's 17. That's pretty hard to overlook, but I think Dynasty is about grab is about projecting and grabbing value when it becomes when it becomes too good to pass. Up. You could take Mosley right now in the, in the startup in the fifth in the startup in the fifth or sixth round of your startup, or you could take a guy like Tyler Eifert, Jeremy Langford, Russell Wilson, Ziggy Anza, Robert Quinn. You know, you could address the defensive line, or you could take a guy like Shazier in the 10th or 11th round where I've seen him going in startups. So I think because of, you know, like we talked about earlier with NFL contracts, you get rewarded for what you did, not not what you're, what, not what you are going to do. And I know Mosley has been a very solid player for two years uh, there, but I think Shazier is just going to be that much more motivated to be a, to be a better player than he has been over those course of his first two seasons there with Pittsburgh and hopefully stay healthy. What do you got for us in C.J. Mosley? Well, these are both great young players, but C.J. Mosley's role, I think, makes him more valuable. He had 151 tackles as a rookie, 116 tackles last year, whereas Ryan Shazier had his best of two years last year with 87 tackles. His numbers, of course, would have been higher if he had played more than 12 games, but you do have to be concerned when a guy has only played 21 games in his first two seasons. He's no no season-ending injuries, but, you know, he just appears to be somebody who's going to get dinged up now and then. He's going to be tough to rely on every week. Uh, C.J. Mosley, on the other hand, has yet to miss a game in the NFL, even though he did have some injury concerns coming out of college. Uh, but, like I said, has yet to miss a game in the NFL. And while some of us, myself included, saw uh, Ryan Shazier's combine workout, like you mentioned, 
you know, an incredibly fast 40 time and whatnot. Uh, we figured he'd either be effective at rushing the quarterback or at really shutting down uh, tight ends and running backs in pass coverage. But that really hasn't been the case. He's only had one interception and three and a half sacks in his two seasons combined. Mosley, in that same span, has two interceptions, seven sacks, and ten more passes defensed. Uh, Pittsburgh's offense is also more capable of sustaining long drives with more consistency, and that would uh, limit the defender's snap counts compared to Baltimore's offense, which uh, is not as high-powered as Pittsburgh's. You know, I'd I'd love to have either of these players, but I would just prefer to have the more dependable and more productive C.J. Mosley. Hmm. Yeah, very good point that I knew I was kind of up up against the wall there, but I, I like to to challenge myself. But I, you know, there was the one thing that is we should point out about Mosley, and this is I, this could either be good or bad. But there was a lot of injury concerns with him coming out of college. I think he had like a hip or a lower leg issue, and and you you worry about guys like that. You also, you also got to worry about a guy like Shazier getting dinged up with all that speed he has. You want to make sure that those those legs are okay, but. Uh, uh, he, you know, mostly has seemed to overcome that, but that's not, you know, it's not like it's coming off of his medical record either. So there's always, there's always that chance. You hate to, to wish injury on anybody, but and, and that's not, that's not exactly what I'm doing. I'm just, just putting it out there for people to, uh, people to remember. And like I said, if you can get maybe the same player, or maybe just a step back, five rounds later, I think, I think that's. A wise decision, especially when I think defensive end slash you know pass rusher and full IDP is not not that easy to come by, especially late. They need time to develop too, so I think I think that's where I fall into the uh, Shazier market there. Um, what do you think about the Cincinnati Bengals? And I feel like we need to have our buddy Brandon Berg on it, but of course he's he's like one of those nine to fiver working guys. Now he's still, he's still doing some fantasy work over there at uh, FF locker room, but maybe we'll get him to come back uh, some, sometime on a night show. So he's a good dude, but we're going to talk about his bankroll. Anyway, uh, injuries derailed Andy Dalton, but have you seen enough to consider him a legit top 10 quarterback? What do you think? Oh, absolutely. His passer rating was 106.2 last year. That was second in the NFL. He's won 10 or more games in four straight seasons, and he only needed 13 games to do it this last year. 25 touchdowns and seven interceptions. Uh, he's led seven fourth-quarter comebacks in the last two years, and every season he's had at least three game-winning drives. As long as they replace Marvin Jones and Mohamed Sanu with decent players, I think Dalton's easily a top-10 guy. Yeah, um, uh, boy, Q, that was on a couple weeks ago. Our Raiders reporter suggested Corey Coleman for them in the first round this morning on Twitter. I think that's a, that would be a great ad to have a nice little speed demon beside uh, beside them, uh, beside AJ Green. Obviously, they do have uh, Mario Alford, who was kind of a who uh, we're going to talk about next, actually, <laughs> who was a uh, kind of a kick returner. But uh, we'll see what they get out of him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I already love Dalton. You guys know that. So, I mean, and I and I own him in a couple of leagues. And so, I, especially what like Nick said with the emergence of Eifert I, and the fact that they have two running backs that can catch out of there, Dalton, Dalton is in a really good place. Um, and, you know, I mean, obviously it's a little bit flawed last year, a little bit uh, two-sided last year because he didn't lead his team to the playoffs, but he did lead his team to a 6-0 record, I believe, and that's, you know, they ultimately kind of sputtered into the playoffs with A.J. McCarron, but uh, Andy Dalton wins in the regular season. That's when the fantasy season is, so why not? Um, should Dynasty owners consider the young, speedy wide receiver Mario Alford with 
Mohamed Sanu and Marvin Jones being free agents there, Nick? What do you think? I don't know. I think he's maybe a, like a wide receiver four. It's a very his absolute ceiling. He's only five foot eight, hundred seventy seven pounds. Uh, had one catch for fifteen yards as a rookie, seventh round pick. You know, if they do lose both Jones and Sanu, I believe they're going to bring in two wide receivers. So Alfred would still have to win the wide receiver three job there. And again, at five foot eight, likely can only be a slot guy. He's really not on my radar. Now, we had some back and forth, me and Q, about the whole Corey Coleman thing and him being a first-round pick, and I just kind of thought, I don't know if teams, whether it's some very good sub-six-foot wide receivers in the NFL, I don't think teams are willing to spend a first-round pick on this guy and on these type of players. Um, And I think we maybe have Tavon Austin to blame for that. I mean, we, we saw the... St. Louis jump up to get him a couple of years ago, and it certainly certainly hasn't panned out. But you look at the guys that are successful. Obviously, Antonio Brown, he took a good two or three years to get to where he, you know, was just the hundred reception guy. You know, and maybe you know maybe not in that offense, but people want to believe that's where Tyler Lockett's going to be two or three years from now. Um, but but besides that, you just don't see these shorter guys going early. You know, it would be interesting to see. You could do it all over again. I mean, Antonio Brown is a guy that had 100 receptions in in one of one college. But if he was to be in this class, this NFL draft, where would we slate him amongst the rest of these wide receivers? I mean, obviously he's he would probably be the fastest. Um, and but he and he was also a kick returner in college, which you know he still does and makes everybody Mike Traffic a lot very very nervous a lot of the time. But I just there's not a lot of there doesn't seem to be a lot of perceived value by taking these guys early because because of Tavon Austin. I don't want to single out one player for it, but that, that's that's I think that's the last time in a long time we're going to see a shorter wide receiver take that early in the draft. What do you think? Oh, I agree with you. And, you know, you go back farther than Tavon Austin, a guy like Sonoris Moss was, I believe, a first-round pick for the Jets and, you know, only at 5'8". Didn't didn't have near the career his brother Santana did. So, yeah, it's it's been a while since we've seen a highly drafted receiver under, under you know, 5'11 or so that come in and really have success. Oh, yeah. We know, the, we know those Jets have trouble drafting wide receivers. Um, but anyway, um, I think – I don't know fully, but I and, I and I know it's probably in the last like the last 15 years. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick had the best season ever for a Jets quarterback, probably within the last 15 years. It might have been one of the best ever. I don't know if it was the best touchdowns, but he put up a great numbers in that within that Jets uh, within the last recent history of the Jets because it's been such a wide receiver and quarterback has been such a awful position there for the last handful of years. Uh, but tumble. But um, will we touch? Oh, who who will? Gosh, geez, I didn't edit this very well, Nick. I'm sorry. I hope you can read between the lines when I don't read for myself. <laughs> uh, will who will win the touch war between uh, Jeremy Hill and Gio Bernard with Hugh Jackson gone? What what does that what does that mean as well? What do you think? 
Well, I just think the running back by committee is here to stay in Cincinnati. Both Giovanni Bernard and Jeremy Hill are very capable runners. Either one of those guys fresh is better than the other one slightly winded. So, of course, they're going to continue to rotate them. You know, it's such a benefit to the team when both guys are so versatile. Both of them can catch the ball out of the backfield. The Bengals just do not have to change their system at all when they swap one back for another. So, yeah, I see it being close to a 50-50 split again. Why would you not? It's the best thing for the team. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a hard call. I, I like I like both of these guys. They both they, while they are both very similar, they're obviously different sizes, and they both also have their strengths. Um, you know where where they both do catch the ball. You're not going to see Geo take the ball up the middle unless you know, of course, Hill fumbled twice in the first half or whatnot. So I just don't. I think I think I would certainly lean Hill in this distance, and we'll get to some more of that with our our next dynasty dilemma as we pit uh, Duke Johnson versus Gio Bernard. Um, I just and where Hill's value is maybe down because of his his kind of weird awkward year. He did he did score a lot of touchdowns last year, so that that's that's value right there. Even if even if his receptions go down a little bit because of Gio, but um, you know, Gio is a guy that gets has been dinged up in his career too. So, I think just because he's built like it, he's built more. I would certainly uh, certainly shade Jeremy Hill with a so we'll go sixty forty split. How about that? Um, lost my spot. Who? All right, who is? Is there anybody underrated? Is there an underrated IDP option on the Cincy defense? Uh, I've got a couple of them. Uh, you know, who do we always say it takes two to three years to develop? Tight ends and pass rushers. So I think last year's third-round pick, Paul Dawson, or I believe he said he changed his name to P.J. Dawson. He only had five tackles uh, last year, but he's somebody to keep an eye on for sure. And then you look inside at the defensive line. Uh, Geno Atkins, the all-pro, of course, had 11 sacks, the defensive tackle. That's pretty incredible. But his fellow D-tackle, uh, DeMonte Pecco, had five sacks and 35 tackles of his own. You know, it's probably just a defensive tackle required league type of guy, but I think he should be rostered in those yeah, it'll be interesting to see what we get out of Mr. PJ Dawson. I was so so in love with him last year. I'm ready. I'm ready to just not even care about him anymore. But uh, you do bring up a good point. We'll see. We'll see how he comes along there. Um, and look at you. Look at the Hawaiian talking about the fellow Hawaiian. I'm pretty sure Pico's a Pico is a, a Hawaiian, or maybe he's Samoan. I don't know. You think so? Maybe with that hair, it's hard to hard to tell sometimes. No offense against any Samoans or Hawaiians. I'm just saying. I don't know. I'm from South Dakota. I can't I can't see anything but snow right now. But anyway, um, uh, there there is options. I can't. And I'm losing. Is it Darren Smith, the safety they drafted last year? Obviously, Ioka is a free agent. I think Reggie Nelson is as well. Nelson's pretty old. Um, so they they have weapons in up and coming in this in the secondary. I think that's uh, why am I forgetting that person's name? I should have wrote it down. Darren, I want to say Darren Smith, but uh, like I said, Nelson's old. Aoka is probably going to go somewhere else. I know some some Vikings fans want him uh, want him in a Vikings uniform since he's got that uh, connection. But uh, I. We'll, we'll see, and we'll, get, we'll see what we get out of uh, Dawson. It'll be interesting to see how they use him, you know, maybe in the preseason. 
Um, I would love love to see uh, a little bit a little bit more out of uh, AJ Hawk, who's kind of had a down year. But uh, yeah, it was Darren Darren Nelson and Pat. Uh, excuse me, Pac-Man Jones is also a free agent. But Darren Nelson, excuse me, Darren Smith, not Darren Nelson, the former Minnesota running back. Darren Smith, five ten, two hundred pounds, out of Fresno State. They drafted last year. Um, I think a lot of people are. We're excited about him last year at the free safety position. So maybe maybe he steps in and has a has a bigger role in there. Certainly a certainly a player to watch there, Darren Smith. Sorry I didn't get there right away. Uh but Darren Smith out of for Cincinnati. What do we think about draft needs? Biggest draft needs for the Cincy team. I know I talked about it a bit earlier because the team has been successful. There's not a lot of uh glaring holes, but what do you think there, Nick? Well, we already discussed that they've got a couple of wide receivers that are free agents. Also, the right tackle, Andre Smith, the cornerback, Leon Hall, and uh, Adam Jones, and both safeties, like you said, are free agents. So I, I would think they would have to plug one of those holes. You know, if they can re-sign most of those guys, I could see them possibly trading out of round one, get some more depth as well as pick up some picks for next year possibly. Because, like you said, this is a team that's been in the playoffs all the last few seasons. They've got a pretty strong starting lineup. You know, I have them going defensive end in the first uh, with uh, Kevin Dodd, I believe. Yeah. Um, not that I have any – yeah, I don't. I don't like Michael Johnson who or uh, Wallace Gilbert. I think they don't, they don't get enough out of those two guys opposite Carlos Dunlap. If they have a you know, Dunlap guy that 13 and a half sacks last year – if they can get another guy that can really set the edge, really force the play, that's just going to play into you know to Dunlap's hands. If, so if they, and Dodd is the guy that I think mostly played left end, so he'd be asked to to switch. And I I don't know he's not terribly undersized, so I don't think he's a stretch that stretch right. He would think he has to play outside linebacker at the NFL level. So I, I think I think Dodd is a guy that plays with a lot of energy and. Um, where he would be going against the right tackle, I think all if all you're asking him to do is set is set the edge. That's going to certainly open things up. And we know they have athletic talent there at the linebacker position with Perfect and uh, and Ray and you know possibly Dawson. And they might need to address the middle linebacker position too with that position getting a little old. But uh, not not a bad situation there. We all obviously talked about the wide receivers um, as I I had. Um, I think I had them taking wide receiver eventually. I took had him taking Cyrus Jones in the second round, cornerback with Pac-Man Jones out the door. That's certainly certainly a need there. Uh, Will Fuller is another speedy wide receiver that they could look at. You know, possibly like round two or three. Um, so I don't think that's a bad, that's, that wouldn't be a bad call at all. Um, but uh, yeah, not not a whole lot of need. They do have some some offensive line depth that our free agents choose if they need to address that situation as well. But we'll see we'll see what they uh see what they come up with. But uh um not a not a whole lot of need there, but I think there's certainly a couple of positions that they could be upgraded at. Um time for dynasty trade analysis, Nick. Time for dynasty trade analysis. Yeah, I say, all right, all right, all right. 
Okay, let's look at a few of these here. Kirk Cousins and Jeremy Hill for pick 1.0 at 6 and 1.08. What do you think there, Nick? Well, uh, I side with the, the side that picked up the players simply because this is not a very highly regarded draft class, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So, you know, the fact that the two picks, neither of them are in the top three or four, I I, I, I just don't think that's enough to, to trade. Or that's not enough for me to get rid of guys like Kirk Cousins and Jeremy Hill, players who we know still have a lot of upside. Yeah, I totally agree, and this is one that I just came across on Twitter that people are voting on, and most most people went for the picks, which really surprised me. You got to go, you got to go with the established player, and I think if I've learned anything about uh, the dynasty uh, off season process here from from any of these guys here, like Jay and uh, uh, Burgundy, um, you know maybe. You know, and other guys do. You know, Bill Bill Servi doesn't do this, but other, you know, and other guys do stuff just differently. But they're going to do what they want to do. But if you can trade picks for a step, you know, even just a even just a second year play, if you can trade pick for player, that's I think that just injects so much more into your team than it would be, you know, for you to have those two first round picks. I mean, I got two first round picks, but I'm not not totally excited about it. Like Nick said, with this class, so. Uh, if if pick for player, I mean you're trading two first round picks and getting two great players in return. I, I really like that side. I think Cousins obviously, no matter what happens, is going to be a starter. And uh, we already talked about Jeremy Hill getting that sixty sixty percent share from Geo. So uh, we'll see what Nick says in the dynasty dilemma. But uh, yeah, got got to go player over picks. I think. And neither one of these guys. I mean, it's not like. You know, they're both 30, 30 years old. I mean, this is what Jeremy Hill's third year in the league and Cousins' fourth year. So, I mean, they're, they're you're getting young, established players that could be looking to go into the prime of their career. So, yeah, got a side of the players here. Um, Brandon Marshall, pick 1.04 and pick 1.09 for pick 1.02 and 2017 first. Is it pick for player? Again here, Nick, what do you think? Yeah, it's a tough one, and just simply because the draft class is not very deep this year, I'm going to side with uh, the guy who got rid of Brandon Marshall. I know he's probably got another one to two really solid years left in him. Had a great year last year. But, you know, you're moving into the top two, so you're, you know, possibly getting an Ezekiel Elliott at that pick, maybe, uh, if not, probably a Treadwell or somebody like that. Plus, you're picking up another pick next year, and I'm guessing if the guy had the second overall pick this year, he'll probably have a pretty high pick next year. So it's likely going to be a high pick in 2017 draft. I would guess, and you know, getting rid of a 1.09, I, I think that's okay. Yeah, Brandon Marshall is getting up there, and I think he's only got one one year left in his contract with the Jets, so he could be on the move again, possibly. And you know, I think everybody's tried to get Leonard Fournette next year anyway, so <laughs> that's what all these 2017 firsts are picking up. So I think that's what people have in mind when that happens. So. I would probably cite it because you're getting, you know, with the 1.02 and and a, a hopefully an early first rounder in 2017, you know, you're getting, you know, two really good marquee players and you're giving up two later first round picks and, and a quality wide receiver. You know, Brandon Marshall is going to have a, probably a pretty good year again, but uh, it's certainly a, a move for the future though. So I I, I kind of agree with you. Go with the go with the pick side there. Um, C.J. Anderson. 
for Charles Sims, Kenny Stills, 3.01 and 3.07. I guess this one all really boils down to how you feel about my guy, Charles Sims. Nick, what do you think? Well, and I'm not a huge C.J. Anderson guy either. I never really have been, and I do kind of like Charles Sims. So I'm going to side with the guy that picked up the Charles Sims, Kenny Stills, and the two extra third-round picks. You know, that's for, you know, C.J. Anderson, who really had a golden opportunity this year to lock down a starting role and failed to do that. I think that's a lot to give up for a guy like C.J. Anderson. Yeah, and and I do believe that Tampa will draft a running back or possibly two running backs. I, uh, I, yeah, but that's not going to throw me off the uh, the Charles Sims trade. That's a that's a lot to give up for C.J. Anderson. Who, yes, Hillman is gone, and you know he should have hopefully a better year than he had last year. But I just don't. Yeah, I just can't really really condone it when when Ronnie Hillman out carried and outrushed him last year, and Hillman's. Uh, certainly not the more, you know, certainly the smaller style running back that should not be out rushing Anderson, who certainly has that more prototypical mold there. So that, that's just so much to give up. I mean, obviously nobody cares about Kenny Stills in this pick, in this trade, but CJ Anderson, you know, 5'8, 225 pounds. He should not be outgained by Ronnie Hillman in this season. That's just not okay because Hillman is, I don't know what Hillman's sizes are, but he's, he's tiny and he, you know, uh, Anderson regressed from 34 receptions to 25 last year, and that you don't like to see that, especially in the, when PPR is is the new norm. New norm. Uh, if, you, if you missed it last week, uh, Alan Satterley did a great article about the Tampa Bay Bucks and uh, the, the dirt cutter offense. Um, and Sims is already a great PPR option, even with Doug Bart. So. If they add a rookie running back, who cares? I mean, I, I mean, who? It's not gonna, it's not gonna affect Sims that much. He's gonna, he's gonna get an uptick in targets, and he still had 500 rushing yards last year. I mean, Sims still had 500 rushing yards, even though Martin had 1,400. So, and oh, by the way, Sims had 51 receptions. So, I mean, Sims had a thousand yards in that offense last year, and now he's gonna be the starter, getting more touches. They're not going to turn that over to some rookie over Sims, so that's just a whole lot to give up. I mean, I I look at this. I don't think I would give. There's no way I would trade Sims for CJ. If somebody would be offered me CJ Anderson, I would not for Sims. I would not do it at all. I would just I would hold Sims because I'm still still very excited. He does have the the, the very bad ankle injury on his record, which which hurt his cause his rookie season. But I think what we saw from him last year. Uh, was what we're, what we can expect from him moving forward there. Uh, Devontae Freeman, Clive Walford, and a mid-2017 first for Jonathan Stewart. Pick 1.04, pick 1.09, and pick 2.12. What do you think? Um, I think the Devontae Freeman owner must be a little skittish about Kevin Coleman stealing some of his carries. I, I, cause I just don't understand this trade at all. Getting rid of Freeman for, I mean, Jonathan Stewart, it was a borderline miracle that he was able to stay healthy as long as he did last season. <laughs> I can't see that repeating itself again this year. So yeah, that's, that's not enough for me to part with a guy like Freeman plus Clive Wolford's a tight end with a lot of upside too. So yeah, I, I, I don't understand trading away those guys. Yeah, 
Well, and I did talk to that. This is the one that I saw on Twitter, and I and I asked the person why. I said, "Why get Jonathan Stewart in this deal?" And he was talking already talking about flipping him in, an, in another deal. But uh, you know, it seems like a rebuilding move getting those early picks. But again, with those early picks, there's not a lot there. So I think Walford's going to be better better this year. I still have my doubts about uh, Freeman. I think there'll be more of a more of a timeshare there in Atlanta, depending on how their uh, how their wide receiver situation works out as well. There too, and Freeman's probably the better PPR option as well. But uh, we'll see. And I think I think Walford's going to be better, and you're getting. The, and you get the 2017 first rounder in this one, so it doesn't. Yeah, it still doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. I got to go. Got to go with two players over at the really ancient, already injury prone running back. Um, time to talk about the Cleveland Browns, and Mike might be calling in right, right in the middle of that. But we'll see. We'll see where we're at here. Um, can Crowell hold off the Duke? What do you think, Dick? Well, you know, in standard leagues, I think I would give the edge to Crowell, PPR to Duke Johnson. Uh, Crowell, you know, he had the edge in yards per carry, 3.8 to 3.6. Plus, I think Johnson's frame is just too small to be a lead back. He's a nice complimentary one-two punch, though. I mean, it's kind of reminiscent of the old Thunder and Lightning style backfields. But, you know, yes, I think Crowell, at least on running downs, is going to remain the lead back. And I think Crowell is still the, uh, the short yardage goal line guy. Um Disagree with you there about Duke Johnson being a full, uh, being a, a full time running back, but we'll get to more of that in the dilemma. I think he's I think he's got a little more in the tank there, but um, yeah, I think Crowell at least this year this year will be really indicative to see how the situation folds out in the future. But I think I think Crowell, like Nick said, better standard option this year, and maybe Duke maybe Duke is more of the geo the geo role in this one. But uh, uh, we'll see, Chris. Is Chris Kirksey ready to rock and fill Craig the fill Craig Robinson's vacated spot? What do you think there? Well, Kirksey had five starts last year compared to nine for Craig Robinson, but Kirksey still had more tackles, although not as many as he had as a rookie. He did have three and a half sacks, and that's not too bad for a part-time inside linebacker. It's not completely inconceivable that the team looks to upgrade, but after another free agent linebacker, Paul Kruger, has failed to live up to his contract, the Browns might be hesitant to invest heavily in another uh, starting linebacker. So, yeah, I think I'd... Uh, cautiously optimistic about Kirksey's uh, chances to produce this year. Yeah, and he's a guy as a rookie that really busted out of the gate and had a lot of production early. You know, getting with this team and the turmoil and the constant coaching changes, it's, it's really hard to put a to put a pin in something there. But uh, maybe he, like we talked about with Nate Orchard earlier, maybe maybe he with this new regime will they just let him play and let these young guys get better and better. So I, I like Kirksey a whole lot and I think I've seen enough out of him to, to, to keep him on, on my rosters where I have him. What can we really expect from Josh Gordon this year? Nick? Well, you know, hopefully he can return to form. Every football fan should hope that he can be the same player he was in 2013 when he was one of the best players in the NFL. He really has elite talent, um, you know, plus I have him on one of my teams. But do I expect anything from him this year? Not really. It's just too much time away from the game. Plus he looked rusty in his last brief return, and, you know, he's got the history, of course, of all the positive tests. You know, as an owner, what am I really hoping for? I'm hoping for him to play 16 games, get off to a slow start, 
finish with about 800 yards and five scores, but have a better play late in the season, maybe a couple of 100-yard games over the last six weeks, you know, something to give me hope for a great 2017. That, that's what I'm hoping for, but expecting, eh, I don't know. And you still own him in the Cronies League, right? Yes, I do. You're a patient fella. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, geez, I don't know. I mean, it's so much time away, like you said. It's just you You would like to think that as the season progresses, he can get stronger, but uh, I don't know if we're ever going to see him do what he do what he did during his, you know, shall I say, Doug Baldwin-esque run there with Cleveland. I mean, wasn't there like, three games where he had over 200 yards. I mean, it was ridiculous, um, especially with that quarterback situation there in Cleveland and flux. And, you know, you just don't, you just don't know for sure there, but uh, I, and I, I was really under the impression that when he came back, that he was not going to be a Cleveland Brown. That looks like that's going to be the case. So we'll, we'll see how that, uh, we'll see how that shakes up. Cause you know, nobody's going to trade for this guy at this point. That's for sure. Um, but the, the upside is there. I mean, we've seen him be successful, so the upside is certainly there. Um, biggest draft needs, Nick. What? Where do we start? What do you got? <laughs> well, with Sean Gibson set to be a free agent, maybe they go safety, right, with the number two pick? No, it may be in round two or three, but it's got to be a quarterback in round one, right? There's no way around it. The good news for the Browns is that uh, Wentz from North Dakota seems to be the complete opposite of Johnny Manziel in every way possible. So, you know, and I think they should have probably also go for another receiver to help them out in rounds two or four. Even if Gordon and the free agent Travis Benjamin return, they could still use another target for a young quarterback. Yeah, this is a team I got them going with Wentz in the first and then a wide receiver there, uh, Tyler Boyd in the second. This is a team that needs needs to really address depth and, and get young, you know, uh, I don't, I'm trying to be nice here, get young players not like Johnny Menzel on this roster that can grow, actually grow and grow up within this organization and, and uh, be be good for this team uh, moving forward and not be, you know, the cancer that uh, Johnny Menzel was. Uh, um they need offensive line help, just like everybody else. You got to have that depth there. Um, I would love to see them add a guy like Hunter Henry if he if he sticks around, you know, to like round three. I think he's a would be a nice player to let let uh, sit with a uh, Gary Barnage for one for at least one year there, and eventually eventually take over that spot. But uh, yeah, the, uh, this is a team, and I I feel like in some in something on a seven round mock, I feel like. And maybe you can go back and count for me. I, I think I lost track. It's going over and over again. But I think some of these teams could draft like two or three cornerbacks or just people with defensive back designation because you can never have enough of those guys. Either. With teams with running three and four receiver sets, you want to have you want to have options. You want to have a guy that can come in in that nickel sub package and really help you out and not be a liability there. So we'll see. They, they think I think they will draft a safety. I think they could draft a corner or two. This isn't a lot, team that has a lot of free agents either, but uh, there's certainly pl- things that they could try out here with this draft because they have a number of draft picks. I want to say about ten. They're getting some compensatory picks as well there too. So, well, we got Mr. Mike Craffic on the phone. So let's patch him through. Mike, are you there? I'm here, Josh. How's it going? I am doing good. 
You sound a little more East Coast today, but I forgot to play your music. Hold on. Sound like you just took a business trip to Boston. What's going on? How you doing? Uh, doing well, doing well. So is the sound coming through okay? I was trying out a different headset today. Oh, no, yeah, you sound good. I, you don't even sound like echo chamber like that you when I try a headset. I gotta, I gotta hold the phone to my head the entire podcast. So some, yeah, some people it, think why, wonder why I cut out here and there. That's probably because I'm moving my head. What do you got? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, trying the headset, I think it'll work a lot easier. That way I got my hands free so I can uh, look stuff up and, and looking forward to the podcast talking about some Steelers. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, Mike Mike has his own music clip on the show, so you know he's been here before. You you know him, you love him. It's Mike Traffic. Let's talk about your Steelers, Mike. Oh, the outlaw, Jesse James got a dream opportunity and I think what is a potent passing offense how soon will we see this guy succeed well I think it would be a little optimistic to think that he's going to step in in 2016 and fill the void that uh, Heath Miller is leaving um, I, I think when you're looking at young tight ends coming into the league usually about year three is where you see them with a, a big uptick in production I don't expect it to be any different there. So I think that he'll improve on his rookie numbers, but I'm I'm not expecting him to be a uh, top 12 tight end this year. But I do think in 2017 and moving forward, as long as he continues in his development, he he can be that. And he's six foot seven. You know, people people get all excited when you say a tight end is six foot seven. So uh, yeah. You know, he looks a little thinner than a lot of uh, tight ends, and he didn't wasn't asked to catch the ball a lot there at, at Penn State. But I, I think he could develop into something pretty pretty darn special there. But like 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 uh, Mike said, probably not till 2017. Nick, you have any questions for our guy, Mike? Well, since you don't expect uh, Jesse James to contribute or not have a contribute as much as Heath Miller did uh, in 2016. Do you see them targeting like a one-year veteran or a veteran for like a one-year plug-in or do you think they'll try to target a multi-year contract for a veteran? Yeah, I think they'll just bring somebody in, um, somebody cheap in free agency, a veteran that they can bring in, possibly even at the veteran minimum. Uh, They have other weapons on offense that they're going to run the offense through. Um, but I do think Heath Miller's production is going to be missed. He was excellent in every phase of the game, whether it was blocking, run blocking, uh, running routes. He was just a great contributor that I think it's going to be really difficult to fill the void that he's going to leave. Huh. And is, is uh, Matt Spath a, a free agent there too? I mean, I know he's, he's more of the blocking type of player, but is he, is he a free agent there too? I am not sure what his contract status is, uh, but I certainly don't think he's the answer. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, the guy's 32, and he's never had more than 17 receptions in a season. So, uh, 
yeah, and that's he's he's only had more than ten in one, so <laughs> uh, we'll leave it at, we'll leave it at that. But uh, yeah, it, um, wait a second. Did you, did you say Pittsburgh has options? Has has offensive weapons? I didn't know that. Um, moving forward, Faith um, is under contract that, in 2016. Yes. It's, All right. Yeah. We're good. We're good there. You don't need to worry about a dynasty owner, but he he's good. Um, backup quarterback was uh, certainly an issue last season there. How will the Steelers address this situation, Mike? And is it time to to find Big Ben's heir apparent in the draft, maybe? I think so. I think they need to address the quarterback position. Um, It's time to start looking at who's going to come next. I mean, Ben's not old. He's not Peyton Manning, um, but he has dealt with injuries, and it really derailed our season when we had to rely on Mike Vick and um, Jarvis Landry. I just don't – not Jarvis Landry. um, (laughs) Landry Jones. Landry Jones. Yeah, thank you. but, yeah, so I, I do think that the Steelers need to address the quarterback position, um, and, and I think they should do that through the draft, not necessarily in the first round, uh, but in the later rounds of the draft, get somebody in the third or fourth round that they can develop uh, and have somebody as a stable backup. Yeah, I mean, Big Ben is 34, so, I mean, yeah, he's not 38, but he's he's still he's still 34. I mean, he's not Tony Romo old, but he's He's still 34, and as, as much as we've seen him get hit and dinged up and bounce back throughout his career, that's 34. Even though that's not necessarily old, old for quarterback, that's still that's still pretty football old. So, uh, I, I in my mock, I had them looking at a guy like Jacoby Brissett in the middle rounds. I also really like Jeff Driscoll. I don't know if he's the same type of player that'll work in this in this offense, but. Uh, Brissett is a guy that actually reminds me a lot of Roethlisberger, so I think if they can they can add a guy that can maybe come in and do the same type of things. Um, Brissett is a guy that really has the ability to extend plays. You didn't see that a whole lot in college, but there there is some there if you watch enough film on it because the team wasn't very good. But uh, just just a bit a big kid, I think that moves really well. That I would certainly I certainly think he would be fall good into the back of quarterback role there, where hopefully. If, if Big Bang gets hurt again, they would not miss too much of him there. What do you think about Brissett? Have you studied him at all, Mike? You know, I've seen some of his games uh, last season just watching some college football, and I like him. I think that with this quarterback class, uh, there's a lot of options later in the draft. So I think they'll have a few guys that they can look at later on in the draft, not have to spend that draft capital because they have some other needs uh, on the other side of the ball, mainly, that they're going to need to address. Okay. Uh, MLF currently has Marcus Wheaton and Sammy Coates ranked right next to each other. What's that about? What do you think? I don't know if that's a little bit – do you mean like in rankings as far as ADP or yeah. in rankings where – Okay. So I, I think that's just a little bit of the um, little bit of residue from the Marcus Wheaton hype from last year, where he was getting some hype coming out of training camp. Ben Roethlisberger said he was the number two, not Martavis Bryant. Um, but I just I haven't seen Wheaton do much with the opportunities that he's got on the field, uh, and, and I think Sammy Coates is a much more explosive, exciting player uh so for me it's not close if i'm going to start up draft i'm taking 
uh, seeing me coach several rounds ahead of before I'm even considering drafting Whedon. So, I mean, people, I can't remember the exact numbers, but I think people want to look at the, the game Wheaton had against, like, Seattle last year. Maybe get a little yes. bit over, overly excited about that because he was able to do something where they were actually, somebody figured out a package to somewhat contain Antonio Brown, at least for at least for a couple of quarters there. So I, I think, we, you know, Wheaton is a guy, teammate with uh, uh, Brandon Cooks, who reminded me a lot of him. I think Cooks is definitely a better player, but I think he's got, I think he's got a lot of speed. I think I would lead Coates in that situation. Or actually, I would lean Wheaton in that situation because I, I just don't, haven't seen enough out of Coates yet there, Nick. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. I think I would uh, lean towards Wheaton. But, uh, you know, I want to go back. You talked a little bit about maybe upgrading the back quarterback position since uh, the team struggled when Roethlisberger got hurt. But, you know, I think maybe a better uh, solution would be trying to keep Roethlisberger healthy. Uh, do you think they possibly try to upgrade over the left tackle Kelvin Beecham and uh, left guard Ramon Foster, both of whom are free agents? Uh, yeah, I think they're going to need to address the offensive line. But uh, overall, compared to – the pre-Todd Haley era, the number of hits that Ben takes, it's not even close. So they have been doing a better job at keeping him clean and keeping him off the ground. Uh, But but I do think that they're going to need to address, especially the left tackle position. Um, You know, I I think Beecham did okay in in his role, but I I really think that they're going to need a solid left tackle that they can rely on. Um, so that's that's one of their bigger areas of need. And, and really, they need a year where guys like Marquise Pouncey can stay healthy. I think that was a big hit that not having him at all last year uh, really hurt the Steelers' offensive line as a whole. Yeah, Pouncey's certainly a, certainly a very good player, and it does does hurt them very very much so when he's not out in the lineup there. Um, what, what about – defensive side of the ball is, is there a is there one Pittsburgh defender that will will see an increase in IDP stock this season well see and when I read when I looked at this question and thinking about this um the guy I immediately thought of was Ryan Shazier because I think he's in a gonna take a huge leap in production um I, I think he's gonna take that that step uh to become um at a really inside linebacker but looking at where he's ranked and where he's going in drafts, his stock's already pretty high. So I don't know if that's what exactly you were looking for, but I think he takes a big step forward this year and becomes Pittsburgh's number one linebacker. Mm-hmm. Timmons obviously getting up there in age. Um, do you think that's another maybe another position there that they they need to need to look at there? I think they've got some guys that they can bring in, whether it's in in free agency or that they have that they've been developing. Um, I, I don't know that they need to address that position early on in the draft. Um, I think I've said this for four or five years in a row. They need to address the secondary. They need to get some cover guys in, in that defense on the back end. And every year they seem to bring in a middle linebacker. So I, I think they're they're pretty well stacked at that position. I, I really think they need to look at the back end. Yeah, yeah, well, maybe get to a little bit more of that later. Nick, any other questions? Um, any word on if James Harrison's going to be back for a 45th NFL season? 
(laughs) (laughs) I think I did see he is coming back for another year. Um, I can't remember where I saw that, but I I did see that he is coming back for for another year. Okay. Um, We we talked a little bit earlier about uh, uh, Jarvis Jones, Mike. What, what, can we expect anything out of him? And is he gonna is he gonna ever come to fruition after being a former first round pick? I I don't know. Um, I, I I really don't. I don't know what to make of him. I I really I was excited about him when they drafted him. I thought he had a lot of potential. I thought he was gonna come in and give us some good numbers getting after the passer, but he just hasn't developed the way that. Uh, the way I expected him to, and I think the way the Steelers have. So I think he may be just a disappointment. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what you guys think of him, but I'm not really that optimistic about where he's at in terms of his development. Yeah, we were kind of we were kind of both in the same boat there. Uh, Nick, any any more questions there? Uh, well, Mike Mitchell's been a pretty pretty productive at the. Uh free safety position for IDP players. Uh, if you guys re-sign uh, Will Allen or uh, sign another strong safety, do you think that strong safety would outproduce Mike Mitchell? Because, you know, t- typically we see strong safeties put up better IDP numbers. Right. I think Mike Mitchell had a great year. Um, really happy with, with what he did and, you know, would like to see him stay there. Um, which said, Will Allen is, uh, is a free agent this year. Would like to see him come back. Um, but again, I, I think we need to get some some youth in our um, defensive backfield, and, and that's a position that I feel like the Steelers have just kind of ignored and, and kind of patched together over the past several years. And I think it's really hurt us, you know, with this league being a passing league. I think still some of that uh, steel curtain Pittsburgh Steelers defensive mentality of you know stopping the run it's kind of lingering here in Pittsburgh a little bit where we need to change our philosophy a bit on the defensive side and, and address the back end. Okay. Um, real serious question here, Mike, uh, just came to me. What William Gay or Antonio Brown, who's the better dancer? <laughs> well, I saw <laughs> that, uh, AB is going to be on dancing with the stars. Um, Ooh. yeah. So I, I'm going to have to give it to AB. I think I've seen him dance more than I have seen Will Allen Isn't, dance. I just... Yeah, but with you know, with the you know, the, obviously the the much publicized William Gay dance from last year where he started crawling off the field. Um, <laughs> you know, those DBs don't get that chance very often, so they just really they really do it what they can. But you know, the the dancing with the stars that's really more of like a like ballroom classically trained. I'm talking you know just freestyle end zone celebration. Um, Anyway, uh, back to the football talk. Biggest draft needs. Okay, I, again, I, I think I've said it four times so far in the times that we've been talking. Um, the defensive backfield, uh, I, I think we're going to need to look at some offensive linemen to give us some depth at that position and quarterback. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be upset if we took a quarterback in the in the third round. I mean, I think we really need to get somebody in there that we can look at for the future, but also somebody that can that can fill in if needed for a game or two if Ben goes down. Um, 
But I, I think with the core that the Steelers have, we're, we're kind of primed with the guys that are in their prime and, and ready to make a run. Um, that window is closing, you know, with, with guys mm-hmm. like Roethlisberger. And, you know, he's not getting any younger, so we need to uh, address some of the weaker areas to try to make that push. Okay. So my seven-round mock came out today. I had him going Sua Cravens, not necessarily – a safety, but if if you brought him in to play safety and maybe he could give, you know, the old guys like, uh, what was it, the 100-year-old James Harrison a, a blow every now and then, or maybe get Lawrence Timmons off the field and, you know, nickel situations, you can maybe put uh, Cravens in there. Would you, be, would you be open to one of those hybrid players like that, too? Yeah, yeah, and I, I think, um, again, I want a shot down corner. I want a guy that can put somebody on their number one receiver and lock that position down. Because I feel like, you know, A.J. Green having big games against us and, you know, team's number one receivers beating us is just going to continue to happen until we have that that one player that we can put on an island and and just shut them down. Yeah, 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 most definitely. I, I really tried to get you some secondary help in my mock. I, I went Kendall Fuller in the second. I know he's coming off of, off of the knee injury, but he certainly a, has the the family, uh, the pedigree there, and I think he's going to be a, a good player. I think he could be just as good as uh, his brother Corey there. Um, what do you want, though? I mean, I, obviously you study prospects too, Mike. What do you want? I said, who do you want? You study study prospects. You know what? I haven't really looked much at the defensive side of the ball as far as who the the top corners are. Um, so, so I don't know that I have a great answer with that. I just know that I don't want um, a, a linebacker at the spot or you know in the first round. Um, I feel like we have some other big needs, but I, I don't know that I have a specific guy in mind. Um, Yeah, I'd say just uh, a number one corner or a safety. I've been spending most of my time looking at receivers and running backs in this, uh, what a lot of people are calling an underwhelming draft class, <laughs> at the skill possession. Yeah, you know, and what from what I've learned, I think, you know, there's a couple really good options right away with Ramsey and Hargreaves and uh, Mackenzie Alexander. Eli Apple is probably your best option if he doesn't go before there in the first round in terms of what you're going to get out of a shutdown corner. I think those are probably the four options that could be that going forward. Um, I think Hargreaves is probably the best natural progression to that system, although Ramsey is phenomenal. Of course, I'm not going to give a a Gator props over in Seminole, but uh, Ramsey is very good at whatever you need him to do, so I think that maybe makes him a little more uh, a little more accessible. Uh, but anyway, um, one more serious question here before Mike's going to give us a prospect profile too. But uh, um, of all the teams in this division, Nick, uh, Mike, who's got the who's got the most annoying fans? Oh, it's definitely the Ravens. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't think it's uh, even close. If you ask the most annoying players, I, it would be the Bengals. Uh, but as far as fans go, it's it's hands down the Ravens. <laughs> uh, 
anything else there, Nick, about uh, Mike Steelers before we move on? Well, no, just one more thing on the draft. You know, if you look at the Steelers' front seven and all six of their seven starters in the front seven are first or second round picks, do you think if maybe the team's able to fill some of the holes in the secondary through free agency and the best player on the board available is a defensive tackle, do you think there's any way they would go de-tackle in the first round and get, make it a clean sweep across the front seven, first and second round picks? Yeah, I don't think I don't think that's out of the question. I think the one thing that the Steelers do and they've done for years is they take the best player available more so than addressing a need. So I think if there's a guy there that's number one on their board, they're going to pull the trigger on him. Um, so yeah, I don't think that's out of the question at all. And I think as a fan, that's what's so frustrating. You know, when you <laughs> see this glaring need and they just completely seem to ignore. Uh, that need, but they're looking at it from the uh, from the position of we want the, the best guy, the, the best guy on our draft board. Yeah, and I and I guess one more point to that too is I think beyond you know like those top twenty, you know maybe even sometimes top fifteen picks, I think it really becomes a a need situation for a lot of teams, and I, I haven't ever been in an NFL war room I would like to be if anybody wants to put me there but um, uh, you know there's there's always those you know those 10 to 12 guys that everybody wants and then it just really comes down comes down to need and who, who you have rated at, the, at that position there so I, it's I, I, I hear your point Mike and see how they've probably done that years past but you think what a, your pick is what number 28 I, I don't know right. if there's much of a you know best player available there you know unless somebody unless somebody like a you know a Noah Spence slips down that deep I think they would probably go your route and draft a draft a secondary guy um, we hear you though they need secondary and we know you've been saying it for a couple of years um, we asked Mike to uh, give us a, a prospect profile today. I know you're pretty pretty high on Mr. Alex Collins there, the running back out of Arkansas. What do you, what do you got for us there on that Razorback? back? Well, so Alex Collins was one of the most productive running backs in the history of the SEC. I think he's one of three players to rush for a thousand yards in, in three consecutive seasons. Um, so the the production is there. He's five eleven, two fifteen. Um, so here's here's his rushing stats over the past three years. In twenty fifteen, he had fifteen hundred and seventy seven rushing yards. Twenty fourteen, eleven hundred yards, and twenty thirteen, one thousand twenty six yards. So each year he was over five and a half yards a carry, or right around. It was five point four the first two years, and then five point eight last year um he had 20 touchdowns last year um so he's a, a extremely productive player um coming out of one of the most competitive conferences in college football uh so i think there's a lot to like there whenever you're looking at the size he's got the prototypical size and the production um i think he was a, a little disappointing in the combine i was expecting a little bit better of a performance from him out of the combine and i think his draft stock might have taken a bit of a hit there but again i think the production speaks for itself in that he was able to produce uh in the sec every year that he was there um mm. he's got uh quite a bit of carries um 
you know, last year he's coming off of 271 carries in 2015. The one thing, and, and this is a, a bit of a sticking point for me, I was pretty high on him except for the receiving production. He doesn't have much production out of the backfield and didn't look really great at the combine in any of the pass-catching drills. So I think he's going to be an early down back, first and second down back. I think he's going to really need to work on his game if he's going to be a feature three down back at the next level. Well, one thing we did talk about with your Steelers there, Mike, is is that issue there. Obviously, D'Angelo, I think, is coming back. But the, after that, it was pretty pretty barren, barren cupboard there with Todman and Toussaint. Could you ha- could you handle that? Maybe a, maybe a little development behind uh, Le'Veon Bell. Absolutely, um, I yeah. think that uh, you know Bell. While he's one of the best best running backs and even best players in, in the NFL, he's uh, he's gotten injured two of the last uh, both the last couple of years, um, both with knee injuries. So I, I think it's a good idea to address that position having depth. I, I really. I didn't expect much out of D'Angelo Williams this past year, and he proved me proved me wrong. I'll, I'll be the first to say I was completely wrong on that one. Um, but I don't know if I would bet on lightning striking twice. With uh, what is he going to be 33 years old next year? I, I really don't expect him to have similar production if thrown into that role again. Okay, Nick, any questions there about Alex Collins? Well, when I think of Arkansas football, I think, you know, run, run, and run again. Maybe my opinion's a little outdated. I didn't watch much of them last year. I will completely admit that. But do you think there's any uh, worries that Alex Collins is just a product of the system, just they run the ball so much that that's why he put up the numbers? Well, and, and I've, I've heard that criticism that he's a uh, an accumulator. Like, he just accumulated statistics because of the system that he was in. Um, and he's not that, that feature back at the next level. And I, and I think that does come into play a little bit, um, that the system he was in helped him get that production. Um, but, but I also, again, think that he was in a tough conference, played tough competition. Um, and, and I think prior to the combine, I had him as my number three running back. And after I, I, I put him now today at four, um, I, I would put uh, Dixon ahead of him um, it, just because of the pass-catching ability. But uh, I, I still think he's up there in the top five. Um, and, and I think as long as he goes to a team where it's a good scheme fit, that he will be able to be productive on early downs. I just I just have some concerns about the uh, the, the passing production or lack of. Yeah, and, you know, with the with again with that system, we're looking at Darren McFadden, Felix Jones, um why can't Peyton, the other guy, can't think of his name. Uh Cleveland Brown, Cincinnati Bengal. Or not uh Kansas City Chief. Peyton Hillis, there you go, thank you. Uh just a lot of guys in recent in recent memory coming coming out of there. And uh Niall Niall Davis is an, is another one, you know, guys that have been really productive in college, so it's I think it's uh I think it's a fair point there by Nick on Collins. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I like him, too. I got him 
somewhere in my rookie ranks. Uh, my computer fails me again. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I think what I like when I've watched film on him is you just see – a lot of a lot of energy and a lot of aggression. You don't see that from a lot of a lot of running backs. Um, you know, at the college at the college level, you kind of I think you kind of see them really try to try to finesse their way. But I I don't I like I like and it does scare me when you see those running backs that uh, you know maybe shy that shy away from contact a little bit. So I I I, lo- I I like to see a guy really go get him, and I have him ranked. Uh, I have him ranked five right now. Um, so, uh, but I, I'm really intrigued by him, and we'll see. We'll see. I wouldn't mind him being being a backup there for uh, Latavius Murray either, and, and growing up there. So, um, I was uh, uh, wanted to talk about Mr. Uh, Jeremy Castor. Uh, Nick or Mike, do you have to go? Uh, no, I can I can stay on. Okay. Okay. Well, Jeremy Jeremy Cast strong safety. Slash linebacker out of, out of Duke. He's kind of another one of those hybrid type of players here. Um, I got. I definitely have some concerns. He, he is a great hitter. Uh, played in the box and right on the line of scrimmage a whole lot. Uh, very effective and efficient tackler. Um, has a a lot has been said about him being an outside linebacker in the NFL. But at uh, six feet tall, two hundred and twelve pounds, I just don't think he is, you know, heavy or a big enough. To do that, so the the only there there is also the issue of him playing. He really only played a zone coverage and hardly played any man to man. I do believe he is aggressive enough to play uh, uh, to play the press. Seen a whole lot of it. Um, I think if a team tries him at linebacker, it's certainly worth certainly worth watching him. Um, but he is not a, a dynamic pass rusher. He doesn't really have a lot of a lot of moves. He did record some sacks in college, but uh, a lot of those were, you know, as the quarterbacks kind of scrambled out and he was able to to run them down. It's not like it was he was boom off the line making making the play. So definitely look at like a a weak side linebacker position for him if that is where he's chosen to translate, uh, which could lean uh, tackle volume. But I'm just not sure that he is a three down player. Uh, he's kind of that. That tweeter or tweener, so we'll see. I think we'll see him go in rounds three to five. Um, as far as you IDP guys, I don't think I would spend anything higher than maybe a sixth round uh, rookie pick on him. Nick, Nick, any thoughts there about uh, Jeremy Cash? I was I was hoping to see a little bit more out of the film from him, but the more and more I watch, I, I still just have a lot of doubts. Well, you know, you say he's a six foot two twelve, so yeah, I, I can't see him being a linebacker. But you know, you say a strong safety slash linebacker. That brings to mind Shaq Thompson from last year. I know Shaq Thompson was two thirty, but uh, other than their size, do you think their games are pretty comparable? I just I don't know if it's that if it's if he's that athletic. So like with you know. Thompson did the thing where he played running back last year for Washington as well. So I mean. Or not last year, but in college. So where I'm concerned about him as Cash as an outside linebacker because he's not heavy enough, the the coverage skills just are not there at all. And they didn't ask him to do that at all, at least at Duke. So may, you know maybe I'm completely off. So I don't know if you can trust him uh, at strong safety. So I really think he's a sub package guy. And you know the moral of this podcast is obviously rooted in C, and we're looking at IDP guys here. So I just don't know. 
if you can trust a guy who might be just relegated to that type of sub package player because of because of his you know physical and uh, coverage limitations. Did, uh, I think that kind of answered your question there, Nick. Mike, Mike, any thoughts there on on Cash? Any questions? Uh, well, yeah. I'm, I'm, so I'm looking at his profile here, and the comp that they have here on NFL.com is TJ Ward. How close, or what do you think of that as far as the player comparison for him? I would say uh, along the lines of aggression and tacky, tackling ability, I think that's a pretty a pretty fair comp. Um, you know, we looked at Landon Collins last year was considered somewhat of a coverage liability as well, and he certainly had a very good IDP season he's you know he's listed six foot 220 so not a whole lot of difference um and i and i would certainly would shade landon collins overward um but i love landon collins a lot more and i just don't know if if we're going to see cash on the field enough to make 100 tackles like like collins did as a rookie i mean you don't see safeties coming and do that uh very often and i i think landon collins is honestly i have I think he's a future Hall of Famer. I, I, I like him that much, even though they don't usually let safeties in the Hall of Fame. We've been there. But uh, I, I just don't see enough out of him because, you know, people questioned Collins' coverage skills where he was maybe a little bit inconsistent. Cash, on the film, all you see him is drop back and play a little bit. Of you don't see him try to lock up a, or, you know, try to really press a slot guy. So that's, that, that's, that's, got me very very concerned about about him and I just don't know where where are you gonna put him. So I mean you know, I think if he would slip to like round five, you know, that's where you start to consider him for your IDP and for your real NFL team, but I, I just don't know anywhere beyond that if you're just not exactly sure what you're gonna do to him. And I'm like I said, I'm not an NFL GM. I haven't interviewed the guy, I have I haven't watched all of his film. Uh, I've only watched probably three or four games, but you just don't see him. You would like to see a little bit of him lock up with the guy man-to-man because he certainly doesn't do that against uh, like uh, running backs coming out of the backfield either. So you just you just worry about what what role he's going to actually serve, you know. And and maybe he's maybe he's just an awesome special teams player, but he, that's not going to help us fantasy guys out by any means. So. Um, Mike, we're going to talk about some mocks. You got any? I'm sure you've been doing some mocks. Um, any, any, any thoughts? What's going on in this week in your mock drafts? Uh, yeah, but before we move on, if I could ask about one player real quick and just give me your your take on this. Um, kind of a controversial guy. Um, probably going to butcher the last name, but Robert Ndiche. Ndiche. Oh, uh, the defensive tackle out of. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the uh, N is silent. I think it is Kim DJ. Um, Kim DJ. I, I, I would stick away from him. I mean, maybe he's this year's Randy Gregor. He drops the second. I think he'll probably be a first-round pick. But rumors out of the combine is he just bombed all his interviews. He asked, asked the same question multiple times and answered it different ways. I, I'm really concerned about what, what's, what – uh, what we're going to see out of him. The, the ability is there, but you also see him, you know, take plays off. And then he just, he needs to go, you know, maybe New England needs to take him in the second round and just really whip his butt to shape. And that would obviously make them dangerous. And I don't 
necessarily want that, but maybe <laughs> I, I, I'm not like like Jeff Lloyd said a few weeks ago on the podcast. The guy fell out of a hotel. I mean, how how are you going to address that with the with the NFL brass? Like, oh yeah, hey, we're we're sitting at pick to, you know twenty where the Buffalo Bills or twenty one, whatever it is. What about Tim DJ? Like, oh, the guy that fell out of a hotel. Really? In the first round? I just don't – it's it's really hard. I, he is a guy that presents a lot of options to where he can play, I think, all five defensive line positions. But I I don't know. I, I can't in good faith say I want him on my team. Nick, what do you think? Oh, I agree. And, you know, it's not just off the field concerns. I mean, well, with him it is. But we, we saw a guy a few years ago, like Vontez Burfecht, have a lot of concerns, you know, a lot of red flags going into the draft. And that caused him to be undrafted, I believe. If not, then it was a second, seventh-round pick. You know, he fell way, way down compared to what his talent level was. And then we saw that come back to hurt Cincinnati in the playoffs this year when he completely lost his composure on the field. So I think that'll even scare teams a little bit more away from – possible red flag guys in this year's draft. So, yeah, I could see him slipping not only past the first into the second, but possibly into, like, the third day, you know, fourth, fifth round type of thing, even though he does have the talent to be a first-round pick. But those red flags off the field are so scary, and plus the fact that he bombed his interviews, that that I wouldn't touch him early in the draft. Okay. Well, Mike, what, what are you seeing in your mocks this week? Okay. Well, in in doing mocks, I've I've actually I've been in a couple of startups that I have going on right now. One just finished up, one's just getting started, um, and, and then looking at rookie mock drafts. So I did one pre combine, and now that the combine's over, I want to get another one started with the same group. I'm actually going to get that out later this afternoon to look at how the combine impacted some of these guys' draft stock. Um, a couple of things that I'm seeing is, I mean, like wide receiver heavy early in the first round. There's a couple of running backs that uh, I, I think are in the first round, at least pre-combine. Um, but I think after the combine, I'm expecting to see that even out a bit more with the performances that the wide receivers put up. Um there just wasn't that that guy that, that blew the combine away. I mean, I think Doxon had a good combine. I think he helped his draft stock. Um, but I, I don't think there's a ton of high-end, top-end talent at the wide receiver position like we've seen in the past couple of years. Uh, but I do think in this class that we're going to see some guys that you'll get in the third, second and third round um, that will be – good producers and good options for your fantasy team. Um, so I, I, while I don't think this is a top-heavy draft class at the skill positions, I, I think there is some depth here. Um, so I'm curious to see how it shakes out with after the combine and then, again, after free agency where, where these some of these guys are going to land. Because I think a lot of them, it, it's really going to depend on landing spot as far as their value. Yeah, that's obviously a huge indicator there. Um what do you guys think? I got uh, Jameson or James Jameson Crowder in the fourteenth of a writer's mock. I thought that was a really good value. What do you What do you guys think about that, Nick? Why don't you go first since you're a resident Skins fan? 
Well, definitely. You know, in the 14th round, you're not looking for a guy that's going to be your wide receiver one, wide receiver two. You're looking for depth, and, you know, he's you know one of those five foot eight guys going to be relegated to the slot his entire career most likely, but he's been productive in his first year as a rookie. He had a really good season for a fourth-round pick for Washington. So, yeah, I think in the 14th round, that's pretty good value for a guy that you can plug in when your starters are on a bye week or have an uh, injury that causes them to miss a game here or there. I think he's a guy you can plug in and be pretty confident that he's not going to, at least not going to put up a goose egg for you. Yeah, he he was certainly more PPR dependable than I thought he was going to be last year. Mike, any thoughts there? Uh, yeah, I think his situation is going to improve as well, whereas I don't expect Deshaun Jackson to be back um, or, or possibly Pierre Garçon. I think there's a good chance that neither of those players are back. Um, it, it, definitely at least one of them I think will be gone. Um, so I think he has a, a good situation, and I like what he showed his rookie year. So, you know, like Nick said, in the 14th round, you're, you're taking a shot, and, and I think he's a, a decent upside guy that, that that could pay off. I think his value will increase even heading into the season once uh, these teams kind of start to take shape after free agency. Okay, well, like I said, we'll get to more of that every each and every week here as we continue our mocking uh, off season, but uh, thank you so much for joining us, Mike. We, we really appreciate it, and uh, you, know, you know you're coming back. So, until next time, my friend. Anytime, man. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. Take care, bud. Uh, great you stuff too. as always. Uh, great stuff as always there from uh, Mr. Mike Graphic. Uh, love the Steeler knowledge, and yes, they need secondary help. But Nick, we have one more item on the agenda. It's the moment you've all been waiting for this offseason. Two third down backs, here we go. Duke Johnson versus Gio Bernard. Um, I had a chance to go first on this one, too, and I chose Duke, and that made Nick happy. So we're going to let Nick go first here as he's going to defend Mr. Gio versus Duke. What do you got for us, Nick? Well, okay, so we have two running backs. Both have similar styles and statures, so how do we separate the two? Well, since they're both running backs, let's start by looking at their rushing numbers. And remember, Cincinnati does have a more explosive offense, but Cleveland has a pretty good offensive line. So Duke Johnson only averaged 3.6 yards per carry last year on 104 carries, while Giovanni Bernard has never averaged under 4 yards per carry in his three seasons, including a career-high 4.7 yards per carry last year. Uh, Giovanni has been between 680 and 730 yards rushing every single season where uh, Duke Johnson only had 379 yards last year. But Duke's strength is in the passing game. His 61 catches last year were five more than Giovanni's uh, career high, but he did only average 8.8 yards per catch. That's not bad, but uh, Bernard has been over nine yards per catch two of three seasons, including 9.6 yards per catch last year. And while both players only scored twice last season, Giovanni had uh, seven touchdowns and eight touchdowns in his first two years. Tony Bernard is both more talented and playing in a more potent offense. And due to his higher yards per carry, he seems more poised to be a running back one if the starter were to get hurt. So while Duke Johnson may have more upside, to me that's only because Giovanni has reached his potential. If Duke Johnson reaches his ceiling, he'll just be putting up the same numbers you already know you're going to get from from Bernard. So to me the choice is simple. It's got to be Giovanni Bernard. Okay. Well, uh, 
PPR alert, I think, might be the official, unofficial title of this dilemma. But here we have two backup slash third down slash 40% share guys. Um, they're very similar. But this dilemma, to me, is pretty simple. If you look at their respective RB mates, would you rather have Jeremy Hill or Isaiah Crowell? Unless you're an irrational Browns fan, you're probably going to choose Hill. So that means you believe Crowell is pedestrian or maybe even inefficient. You also fear that Duke is going to steal the gig from him at some time during this season, and that's why you didn't choose Crowell. Um, in our recent writer's mock, Geo went 7.7, while Duke went 8.01. So to this point, it's, so back to that point, it's, it's really a preference thing. Which brings me back to my original point with Hill versus Crowell. Because Hill has struggled last season, his value is down down about down about three rounds to the six to eight round range, while Zio is Geo is getting drafted and snatched up usually at right after Crowell is getting drafted like in twelfth to fifteenth round, while Duke is going at least three rounds before. So I think dynasty owners have spoken that Duke is certainly going to be the future breadwinner. Now, you can still take Geo because he is the ultimate handcuff, but I don't think anybody expects more than a 50% share out of him. I think people expect Duke to uh, take that next step and be that be that running back one, uh, especially going into 2017. Um, I, I, think, I think he has the frame and capabilities to do that. While he did struggle last year, he was a rookie, and it is Cleveland, even though they had a good offensive line. I think you're going to see a lot more growth out of him. And his ability to stretch the field, especially coming out of the backfield with uh, with the receptions, I think just makes him so much so much more attractive. Where Geo certainly is a guy that can be relied on in the screen game. You watch the things that Johnson was able to do in college. I mean, they were throwing him the ball 15, 20 yards downfield, and he was making huge plays out of that. You don't see that kind of trust out of college running backs for no reason, and I think he just has a really good sense of, of field and uh, just kind of uh, uh, agility to get to get downfield, and I think you're going to be able to – some of that's going to translate with him carrying the ball up the middle as well there. So, Any rebuttal, Nick? I will just say that uh, the Browns center, Alex Mack, who might possibly be the best center in the NFL, avoided his contract today. So if he does not return to Cleveland, that would be a huge hit to their offensive line and to their running game in general. So uh, that that worries me a little bit as well as far as Duke, Duke Johnson's value is concerned. Yep, very, very viable options. Some of those great offensive linemen they've had there over the over the years are wanting out. So that's that's, that's a fair point on your part. So. That's all we have for you today. This is um, next week. I think we're going to be yeah we're going to be joining you on Thursday night as I'm playing Daddy Daycare most of the week. We'll do a little late night podcast action. Our next case early afternoon, but uh, we will talk to you next week as we talk about the uh, AFC South division. And Luke Grilly's going to stop by to talk about his New England Patriots. So look, looking forward to having. Uh, uh, Luke, Luke joined the podcast in that aspect. So that's going to be a whole lot of fun. Thank you uh, very much for joining us. Nick, any closing thoughts? Oh, just I hope that you have, that you have many more 60-degree days in your future and less snowy days, Josh. <sighs> All right, they're coming. I know they are. April <laughs> showers. Thanks, Rosie.
杨子，来了，师傅。